0: Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry Podcast and Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Medeiro. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za My mom heard a prophetic word in the week which really tied into a prophetic word that we had spoken out in 2019. And she said to me, it's good to maybe revisit that, you know, and so how many of you know when your mom speaks, you always listen straight away, you know, and I went to, I always go to God, I'm like, God, what do you want to speak about? And he sent me to Psalms 12. And just, it's totally just confirming the fact that we need to revisit our prophetic words. And I know there's a lot of new people in our church, a lot of people watching, um, listening to the podcast. And um, it's good to just revisit where we've been in the last three years so that we don't forget where God is taking us, what God wants to do in our life, and what He's establishing, not only in our own personal lives, but in the church and in the city. And so Psalms 12 says, Now I will arise. It's verse 5. Because the poor are oppressed, because of the groans of the needy, I will set him in safety and in the salvation for which he pants. And it's very important to to know, yeah, this is David the king writing this. So this is the king's desire for his people. That those who are needy, that those who... um, are oppressed, that they will receive the freedom in salvation that they're looking for. And that's not just salvation, you know, the, the old phrase, of the old term of salvation was the fact that you were saved, that you were forgiven of your sins. That was the concept of salvation to many people. But salvation is far richer, far broader than that. It is the freeing of you as the person to be whoever God intended and created you to be. Without anything pressing on you, without you needing anything else, salvation is complete freedom. And so yes, David and he's looking out at the nations and he's going, that is my desire for the nation. And then it says this following. It says, the words and the promises of the Lord are pure words. Like silver, refined in an earthen furnace. Purified seven times over I thought about that and I realized that God has given us promises and there's two things about those promises Then there's two things about the purity of those promises the first is his promises are pure amen second thing is it's purified seven times over so some of us have promises given to us, and our hearts aren't ready to step into them. And so we go through circumstances, and, and I kind of see that like earthen vessels, like, like His Word is put in. I see the earth as a vessel itself. And, and so the Word comes and it interacts with us here in our daily activities And it gets purified seven times over. And so we go through things and we remember the promise. And then it gets lacquer and we start going on our own way again. And, And then we get through this difficult pressing moment and we're like, oh, what was that promise, God? And oh, I remember. And... And so each time you go back to the promises of God, each time you go through an experience and you rely on the promise of God, the promise of God is strengthened in your hearts, in our hearts as we rely on the promises of God. And so the word becomes purer and purer and purer the more you believe in it and the more you step into it and the more you press into it. God's word is pure, but our response to his word is what brings the fulfillment of the promise. Do you hear me? (laughs) So some of us have been in places where we're like, God has a promise for my life, and I haven't seen it. And God's like, that promise still remains. That promise is still true. It's when you step into that promise and you activate the promise, that the promise becomes more refined, and more refined, and more refined until it's refined like silver seven times over. And then God said to us, you know, beginning of of um, twenty twenty. Now this is January twenty twenty. Before we, how many of you remember the good old days of January twenty twenty? <laughs> Uh, I was just having, you know, uh, <laughs> there was none of this over, you know, this other stuff that we, you know, COVID and all of that. It was just, just life just felt so free, you know. I wasn't even thinking about Chinese people and viruses and, you know, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm, uh, <laughs> But he said this, and I didn't realize, how many, of you, how many of you have received the word and you haven't realized how significant that word is? And he said, we must align, We're speaking to me, align your devotion to your desires. So I'm thinking about the king's desire for his people. He says, well, then God's saying you have to align what you're devoted to, to the things that you desire, not just to your desires, but to God's desires, and so he was starting to prepare our hearts for a new kind of devotion, one where we're fully committed and devoted to the desires of God, and we've forgotten about our own desires that don't originate in the presence of God. But all that runs through our minds and all that runs through our spirits and all that runs through our hearts is the desire of God for his kingdom. And we're fully devoted to that. And so to share a little bit about what our desires is, I'm going to take you back even further to 2017. And if you've been here since 2017, you, you'll have heard this a thousand times, but I'm just trusting this is God's promises purified and refined. Psalms 12, verse 5 says, I will arise, right? Psalm 68 is a is a, a psalm that God gave us in 2017. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of picture before we get to where we are now. And and so Yeah, he says. He says God is beginning to arise. And God was speaking in different ways to us as a church, in two different ways. He was speaking to us about what our activity, what our devotion should be as a church. And He was speaking to us on the other side about what was going on in the country. And that I highlighted in different colors in Psalm 68. And so the first two verses I highlighted in blue. And it says, God is beginning to arise and his enemies to scatter them. Let them also who hate him flee before God. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before the presence of God. Verse 29, I highlighted in blue again. Out of the respect for your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bring gifts to you. God is speaking about godly finance. Rebuke the wild beasts among the reeds, the herds of bulls with the calves of the people. Trample underfoot those who lust for tribute money. Scatter people who delight in war. 2017 was a year of great uncertainty in our country, right? How many of you can remember 2017? Just just go back there. Put yourself back in 2017. Now, I from the front, me as a person, I don't I want to say this loudly and clearly. I don't vote for a political party believing a certain political party is a God-given political party. What I vote for is God's righteousness. And I fully believe God can raise up righteous people in any political party. Can I get an amen with that? Right? But back in 2017, those who were leading our country were doing it for themselves. They were... Corruption was at its highest levels. I'll never forget a day I drove up um, Gordon Road and Zuma came down the hill on his way to the MPA. I'll just never forget that. I'll never forget that feeling. And what we were praying for in that time was God to remove corruption from our country. We still are praying that. But he spoke in 2017 and he says, I'm going to arise and I'm going to rebuke the cattle amongst the reeds. Meaning those who are supposed to, those who are in a position of power are using that position to steal and to take that which does not belong from them. But God spoke to us and he said, the church, has to remove from its leadership those who use the church for their own power. Those who use the church for their own gain. Because only when the church does that will God establish His righteousness in the government. See, the the, the government rests on whose shoulders? On His shoulders. And the church is the body of Christ. And so I realized that the church has to come to the front. The church has to set the pace and the tone. The church's role is not to overthrow the government that is in place, but it's to raise up those in full maturity, in, even in the perfection of Jesus Christ, so that those who have the full perfection of Christ can influence those in places of government and even become Take position in the in place in government. Does that make sense? But you've got it. God is going to establish it from the church up through the people into the government. It's not a change of government from the top and then the nation follows suit. God's way is the other way. He, he establishes from the bottom up. And so, in 2017, we're like God. What are we going to do? And God said, "Well." Psalm 68 says, verse 3 says, now this verse 3 I highlighted in, in a different color, I highlighted in yellow. It says, let the uncompromisingly righteous be glad. And God said, regardless of what's going on in the country, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on, let the righteous be glad. How many of you remember how happy you were in 2017? What conversations sounded like at every bri? Just a lot of joy. Everyone's moving from other parts of the world to South Africa, right? No bad news. Just happiness. No, it was the opposite. And so God came and said, the first way, the first thing I want you to do is be glad. Just be glad. You're not glad because things are perfect. Things become perfect when you are glad. Does that make sense? And it says, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. This morning our first two songs were really about singing God's praise. That's declaring the fact that this is a house of miracles. So come alive. In the name of Jesus, come alive. Cast up a highway, and this is so powerful. It says, cast up a highway for him. Who rides through the deserts. How many of you know your happiness and your gladness creates a highway that God then can move on. So that he can reach the deserts, places. So that the places that don't have life can receive life. God needs a highway of praise. So here we are church. Come along. (laughs) The name. <laughs> no, God needs the sound of praise to move. And he's looking for depressed people. No, he's looking for happy people. Glad people. People that carry the sound of rejoicing, regardless of the circumstance that they're going through. He's looking for those people so that he can impart his spirit even more into them. And then, if you go to verse 25, if you ever need to fix the world, you're going to do it through what? Happy singing. I thought everyone's going to say yes, amen. But verse 25 says, The singers go in front. The players on instruments last, and between them the maidens are playing on tambourines. Thank God we don't have any tambourines in the crowd. Okay, Bless, give thanks, and gratefully praise God in full congregations. And God spoke to us in 2017. He said, I want you to start a monthly worship evening. Every last Wednesday of the night. That didn't sound... Of the month. (laughs) That's if you've been awake all night. (laughs) All Right? Every last Wednesday of the month, start a night of praise. Or have a night of praise. Just be the voice of praise. And God will do great things through you. Those were His words to us. And so prophetically we responded and we said we're going to do that. We started doing that. How many of you have been to at least one of those meetings, right? That is our, just in obedience, we're being a sound of praise. Declaring God's goodness through the sound of praise. And then God says here in in verse 32. He says, sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. Sing praises to Him who rides upon the heavens. Behold, He sends forth His voice, His mighty voice. And God spoke to us in that time and He said, the sound of God's trumpet, the sound of His voice that the world is waiting for is your voice of praise. See, if the Scripture, David understood when we lift up a sound of praise, we create a highway for God's voice to move. And if we want God's voice to move, it doesn't move as much through this speaking over the mic and preaching. It moves more through the sound of praise then through anything else. Think about last year, March, Corona came, we all at our homes, and the blessing song got released. Just think about the impact of that song in that moment, in that time. May your families and your children The sound of praise that came in a time of tribulation. God's voice was given a highway to move. God hasn't let that promise go. He's saying to our church, rise up, up, start singing. Can I see, are there any singers in the house? Just put up your hands nice and high. Okay. Are there... Okay, that's not all of you. Are there any singers in, in the house? Can you put your hands up nice and high? Okay. Still not all of you. Are there any singers? Can you put your hands up? Now, my, I didn't ask, are there any singers who sing on pitch? All right. I asked, are there any singers? Okay. <laughs> God is raising up a sound of praise through this church. And when you come on a Sunday, you're not just singing for yourself like you're standing in the fridge trying to pick what you're going to eat with your poloni psalmi. You are singing to who? God. And what are you doing when you lift up a sound of praise? You're creating a highway. For what? For God's voice to go all over the earth. And verse 35 says, God who is awe-inspiring, profoundly impressive, and terrible are you in your holy place. God is calling us out of boredom. Calling us out of the day-to-day mundane. Calling us out of just accepting facts. Calling us out of bad news. He's calling us out of all of those things so that we can be inspired by the one living God. How many of you need inspiration and imagination? I prayed for those in their sleep that you will wake up in the morning and go, What hit me? Where did that come from? And you're going, God inspired me in my sleep. I want to declare over this church no pressure on Bernadine. But will this church please write inspiring songs with declarations of God's goodness. May the sound of God's praise go throughout the earth because we realize what we carry. And may the sounds and the songs that we write be songs that inspire us and inspire many others to see God's kingdom so that a highway, not a crooked path and a narrow gate and a what, what, a highway. Okay, some people like the narrow gates. But God says, I want to create a highway without e God's way is not difficult. His way is not hard. His way is easy. Come on. Jesus says, For my burden is light. And some people are like, God's way is so hard. Some people are proud of really obeying God's voice because it was so hard. No, God's way is easy, and through the sound of His voice, he wants to create a highway. Have you got that? That was 2017. What happened in February 2018? Have we forgotten? Those who were wicked were cast out. Amen? Do you agree? Some of you are like, meh. I want to tell you, God has given us a government for this time. For this moment. What we're seeing is the wicked running for their lives. Can I say that again? I'm not going to say it was because of this church's singing but I'm going to say it was because of this church's singing. Does that make sense? (laughs) God is faithful. I remember the nights I stood in our yard looking over the city saying, God, will will you change it? Will you change it? Will you change it? Will you change it? And he changed it. Let me tell you, the church does not recognize what God has given them in this time. And it's time for the church to wake up, open up their eyes, and see what God has given us. Instead of running for fear, being afraid of every conspiracy theory that comes along their way, being the first to send it on with WhatsApp, the church has forgotten in this time to be the voice of praise, and it's become the voice of conspiracy theories and fear. That is not our portion. It is not our place. It is not what we share in or partake in. We partake only in the sound of praise. Because the moment we share in anything else, we put back into government what was in government. Does that make sense? Bill Johnson said once, he said, Every country has the president that people deserve. See, what happens in government doesn't determine what happens to the people. What happens in the people is a reflection, or what happens in the government is a reflection of what happens in the people. Because it is their vote. It is your vote. And yet David is saying, God, will you bring your righteousness to the poor and the needy. So we can't, as those who are more benefited or in a better financial position, go, yeah, but the poor keep choosing. No, no. No, We have a, a, a mandate as the kingdom to bring help, to bring restoration, to bring God's word of salvation to every person. To every poor and needy person. So that the kingdom of God is established in every part of society. In every part. And I'm just praying that God will raise up inspiration, clear strategies and guidance. To be able to bring the kingdom, the real kingdom of God. The voice of salvation. To every single person. Regardless of historical background, financial position, or where they are right now. Does someone, does someone hear, hear that? <laughs> Doesn't mean we're going to go chase down every plan. But when God speaks, we will listen. And we will be ready. Because God is creating a highway. We can look at a small church and go, yo, this is a small church. Or we can go, God can do great things, regardless of the size of our church. I declare this and I fully believe that a church this size has the power to impact nations. How many of you know what Facebook paid for WhatsApp? Any ideas in the room? How many of you use WhatsApp? Can I just see? Okay. All right. Everyone in the room? If you meet someone who doesn't have WhatsApp anywhere, what is your response to them normally? Do you know that WhatsApp was created by 12 people? That everyone uses WhatsApp. They spent zero on advertising. And Facebook bought them for $2 billion. 12 people. Zero advertising. Facebook bought them for $2 billion. What can God do in a room like this? When God inspires us and brings us together. We've got to really, through the sound of praise, realize what God is giving us. And can give us. And can do through us. But we've got to be willing to put our hands and our money, our resources and our time to that which God has called us to do. So God was saying, align your devotion to my desire. When you do that, you will align your time, you will align your attention and you will align your resources To that which God desires, to that which He gives you as a desire, and your desire becomes the King's desire. God then promised us in 20, through this verse, in, in, um, in verse 5 of Psalm 68, it says, He will be a father of the fatherless and a judge and protector of the widows. And I just realized while meditating on that word over the last two or three years, that a father really speaks, when God is a father, it speaks about his desire to restore grace amongst the people. And by grace, that doesn't mean not looking at, at those who do wrong. It doesn't mean just letting go of, of the wicked, because God's very clear, he's, he's a terrifying God to the wicked. But what grace is, is grace is the power to restore, the power to recreate. In other words, he can take whatever person in whatever situation and when he pours his grace out as a father on that person, he can literally recreate that person as if they were just created for the first time. I always see grace as... It's not the opposite of mercy. Or I see grace as the moment where God took Adam's body of dust and he breathed his spirit into Adam for the first time. And I believe God wants to do that in the church. I believe God wants to do that in every believer. I believe God wants to do that in every person that says, Father, will you pour your spirit out on me? And when we're asking for the spirit to be poured out on us, God is literally saying, Alright, alright, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Are you are you ready? And there's some dust people going, oh, I don't know if I'm really ready. <laughs> I'm a bit dusty under the arms. It's like God's like, Are you ready? Are you ready for the fullness of my spirit? Are you ready to receive the power of my grace? You see, the only reason grace doesn't go out through the world is because people don't actually want to be recreated. They're not ready. So God's saying, get ready for the fullness of my spirit. Allow me to come. In your night season, allow me to come when you're at your worst, at your lowest. Allow me to come and recreate you. As a judge, what does a judge do? Has someone ever told you, don't judge me? Anyone in the room? What does a judge do? Can someone show, can someone, any ideas? okay so that's that's what he's doing while he's doing something. What is the judge's goal to make a decision but why does he want to make a decision? justice, law and order <laughs> okay he wants to bring That's good. Off the idea of balance, right? He wants to restore the balance. What that restoring of balance is, is a restoration of peace. Harry, who used to be in our church, said the number one goal of the army, what is it? To keep peace by not going to war. Okay, if you have a strong army, the other countries with a smaller army are like, we're not going there. Okay, the number one goal is to maintain peace. So if God is a judge, his goal is to maintain peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the earth but he is the prince of peace let that sink in so god in his nature in his promises is saying if you're devoted to my desires i will be your father and i will be your judge how many of you like a judge would like a judge that you know is going to maintain the peace Maintain the balance. Decide on your behalf. Defend you. Protect you. As well as he will be your father. Is that good? Okay, 2019. Are you guys ready? So out of all of that, we get to 2019. God says... He spoke to us kind of beginning of the year. He, he spoke to us about the fact was actually through Haggai. And I think it was a conversation I had with Jerusha back then. And he spoke about, you need to establish my house. Then you can plant your fields. And then you can build your own houses. And in Haggai, God asks a tough question. He says, do you have money in your pockets but your pockets have holes. How many of you know what that feels like? (laughs) He says, it's because you're not building my house. You're not establishing my temple. And really what God wants to do is establish not just our oasis, but he wants to establish the church as a place where people can go as a place where people can gather in full congregations, according to Psalm 68, as a place where the sound of praise can go out, can be maintained, can be amplified. He was speaking then in general as well about the country, that if you have economic deficit and if you all of that, it's because we're not building the house of God. He says, you're, you're building in Haggai, you can go read. He says, you're, you're building your own houses with nice aluminium doors and flat screen TVs, but my house looks like a shack. Now, in the spiritual realm, it also speaks about our focus, and we're speaking about our devotion and God's desires and being devoted to His desires. He says, If you build my house, you will be able to plant your fields. And you will be able to build your houses. If you establish God's kingdom, you will build businesses. And your businesses will flourish. And you'll be able to build the house you desire. But if you try and do that first, without doing this first, it's all going to fail. See, broken economic systems, broken governments, you name it, whatever is broken in the world is broken. Because the world isn't first building the kingdom of God. But when you build the kingdom of God, the rest happens. Because from the presence comes inspiration. From the presence comes godly wisdom. At another level, from the presence comes encouragement. From the presence comes accountability. From the presence comes guidance, courage, companionship. Nothing can be built unless it is built by God. God's word says, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers build in vain. And, and people have wondered how civilizations could be established and then disappear. Well, it's because those civilizations weren't built on the kingdom and the principles of God. And so we as a church have to become way more devoted to building His house. And then we get to January 2020. And I get this word in that time that I remember so fondly. And God said, now He said the following last year, January. He said, 2020 isn't about 2020. And I shared this in our church. I said, this year will set you up for the next decade. Whatever happens in 2020 is going to set you up for the next decade. We didn't realize what kind of a year we were going to have, right? Along with that, he gave us the promise in Jeremiah 1.10. And listen to this: if we, if you just pull together, can I go on a bit longer? I know we're running a bit late. Jeremiah one verse ten. He says, "Then the Lord." One verse nine says, "Then the Lord put His hand forth His hand and He touched my mouth." What's God touching? Our? To do what? To sing, okay. And then it says, And I have put my words in your mouth. See, this day I have appointed you oversight of the nations and the kingdom. So how do you have oversight over the nations and the kingdoms? Through your mouth. Then he said... To root out and pull down and to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. And 2020 comes and everything is rooted out. How many of you know that next week... A year from now, or a year back, was actually our first service after three months of having no services. July the 5th, that first week, was the first time we were allowed to gather as a congregation of 50 again. We forget that for three months we sat at home. For three months everyone slept well. (laughs) Until 10 a.m., just kidding, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> For three months, we could do we could be at home. I used to have coffee on my camp chair in the streets, on the white line, just because I could. Because <laughs> it was a novelty. And if your eyes were open and you understood the times that you were in, you realized God was giving us an opportunity to end all of the things that He didn't want us to be in, to root out, to destroy and to overthrow in our personal lives because we can't root anything out of any nation if we haven't rooted out of our personal lives the things that God wants to root out. To destroy things in our lives that steal. Every person had an opportunity to end every bad habit. How many of you, habits was the biggest keyword? The biggest whatever. Where everyone was like, I'm doing new habits, I'm doing new things. I'm... <laughs> the trend word, that's what I was looking for. And that was just the start. God is still in the process of rooting out and overthrowing and destroying. And our prayer should be, God, will you take out everything in our lives that makes me fall short of your glory. It makes me fall short of the authority that you want me to give, that you want me to have. And so we realized that last year was the year that was setting us up for the decade. And God was first starting by giving every person an opportunity to get rid of everything they don't like about their lives. To get rid of everything they don't appreciate, everything that God hasn't given them. Giving them an opportunity to align themselves with God's desire. And then he says, once I've done that, we will build, we will plant. We prophetically, at the beginning of this year, built the mother's room, built a new access door, an entrance door. That sounds so old-fashioned. Access door, where did that come from? Thanks, God. No. (laughs) But prophetically, we devoted ourselves to building. Prophetically, we devoted to building that which is new. That's not the end goal. That door, mother's room, play area, coffee shop. Say it with me, coffee shop. <laughs> Those aren't the end goals. Those are just the beginning. Those are the prophetic actions that we want to take to build so that what we see built here is built and established right through, not coffee shops everywhere, what I mean is the kingdom of God Established everywhere. And then we're going to plant. But God says this is about your mouth. This is about what you think, what you say. Revelations 2.26, he said to us last year, He who overcomes, I will give the power to overthrow nations. He who overcomes. And so God was saying to us, if you overcome the way you are, not just if you overcome, but the way that you overcome will set you up for the next decade. The way that you get through this, the way that you seek inspiration, the way that you seek wisdom, The way that you see God's rulership in your life will bring you into a place and will set you up for the next decade. What it also does is we're not focusing on the year 2020 and going, that was a waste or I'm suffering or I'm so lowly right now. No, it's setting us up for expectation because we know we're going to see great things in this decade to come. The last time we felt this way about a decade was in the year 2000. Yeah, Y2K. And we laugh. (laughs) Y2K. Sorry, if you were born after 2000, people actually thought when the computers stop, that the world is going to stop. Okay when every computer goes from 99 to the year zero, that somehow the whole world is going to go back to 1900, and all technology is... I mean, I remember being in a church service where the pastor was preaching about Y2K. Let me say this. Whenever there are conspiracy theories, what you are seeing is people trading the sound of praise for the sound of fear. Giving away their authority that God's giving them. Choosing. So whenever there's some crazy conspiracy theory coming out, what you need to recognize is that they are people who are trading God given authority for fear. And it's always the same. You can take this whatever conspiracy theory there is in the world right now, you can take it and it's always the same. They are going to control you. It's always the same. And God's word says, I have given You, power over nations. I thought you guys were going to be standing on your chairs, clapping, throwing balloons, streamers, you name it. Okay? Anything that is declared in fear is trading the power that God has given you for something else. I hope you still... Keeping this together with me, the promises of God. I shared with our leaders, and I'm going to wrap up with this, but I feel that to move into a building time, God is preparing us now to build. Someone say Amen. 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 <laughs> the end of breaking down is over, is here, right? Does that make sense? The time to break down is coming to an end. God is preparing us to start building. And he spoke to me in the week and I spoke to our leaders about serving. And I'm not just talking about serving in the church, making coffee for other people. Those are nice things. But he's talking to me about the heart of serving And Jesus, just before he was crucified, he spoke to his disciples and he he asked them this question. He said, who is greatest amongst you? He who serves the table or he who eats at the table. And I realized that to be able to serve, you have to have greatness. You, you have to be giving something that someone else doesn't have. We can't serve from a place of lowliness. We can't serve from a place of weakness. We can't serve from a place of nothing. How many of you have been to a restaurant and the waiter comes and says, Good day, sir, but today we have nothing in the fridge. I'm going to serve you from nothing. That menu has got... Yeah. So we, we, today we're only serving marmite toast. You can look at what we used to serve just for a kick, but whatever you ask for, I'm going to bring you marmite toast. <laughs> we don't have avo today. <laughs> That's seasonal, Jono. <laughs> You see, too many people in the church do not have authority, have not accepted the fact that God wants to give them rulership over the nations. And they're trying to serve the world from a place without authority. Jesus had full authority. He said all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to him. And then he said, I am your servant. And too many people are like, What would Jesus do? And they're trying to be these you know lowly forms of Jesus, where Jesus had full authority in heaven and on earth. And he said, I am your servant, not I am your servant. He 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 said, I am your servant because I have authority to serve. I have authority to give. I have the ability to give. I have the resources to give. I've been inspired. I do only what I see my Father do. And we've got to break out of this humble mentality, and I say that with, with the best. Does that make sense? We've got to stop being the lowly Christians and we've got to be the authority Christians. Those who have something to give. Realizing that the world values that which we have to give. And that can only happen when we recognize that God created us for this time, for this moment. He says throughout the Bible, today I give you, today I bless you. That means today you have purpose and meaning and power. And then I realized in the week, and this was just my revelation for me personally, but I realized that setting us up for the season we're going. How many of you know God speaks before? He speaks in advance. But I was reading a book that said, great service. And we're talking, if, if we, you know, in the client services, I asked our leadership team, what is client service, customer service? Because I, I first asked our guys, what is serving? And everyone from the church perspective gave church answers. But what's customer service? And then the answers changed. But how many of you know, one of the things that good customer service does for a client is take away their self Consciousness. If you walk into a store and you are helped straight away, you don't feel self-conscious. But if you walk into a store and everyone just kind of keeps to you, like you start feeling self-conscious. And I put the two and two together and I realized when Jesus said, I am your servant, he was saying it to give you confidence. He was saying it so that you wouldn't be self-conscious so that you wouldn't beat yourself up so that you wouldn't put yourself under the world so that you wouldn't feel intimidated he was saying I am your servant so that you would feel confident safe, knowing like, like Brendan I mean that's just confidence run to the front of the church in the middle of a sermon how many of you thought you were going to do that today <laughs> service makes you or makes the person you're serving feel like they have worth when you serve doesn't matter who you serving, you give the other person a sense of meaning it's called love it's what God wants to give us is a renewed love for the world, a renewed love in the same way that God so loved the world, made the church so love the world. And so if we're going to be building, we're going to be building from a place of servanthood, a place of recognizing that we have something to give. We have something with which we can bless the world. We're courageous, bold, and powerful enough to reach nations. Because then Jesus says, this authority I'm giving you. Amen? Amen. Awesome. That's where I'm going to leave us today. But I just felt it was important to go back. To remember the prophetic words through the seasons. To know that when we hit COVID last year, we weren't freaking out. We were like, God said this is going to be a year of overcoming. So let's overcome. God said this is going to be a year that we tear down. Well, let's figure out what we need to tear down. God said we will build and plant. So let's wait for the day to build and plant. I want to encourage you to stand on prophetic word, to stand on God's calling for your life, so that you're never, ever caught uh, what's the word unaware. But you can stand into that. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your prophetic word. We thank you that you're blessing us with power and authority. We thank you, Father, that this morning we can come into your presence and be totally transformed yet again. But I ask, Lord, that you will affirm us and strengthen us in your prophetic word for our lives, that you'll give us clear guidance, you'll give us clear ability, clear authority, and that you would come this morning and bless the mouth of this church. That you would bless our mouths to speak only goodness. To speak only what we see you saying. And Father, that we'll see your authority rest upon us. That you'd give us a greater ability to serve. A greater ability to touch the world with your love. Lord, that you would become a father and a judge of all nations. And we know that you're giving us nations today. Not just as a church, but even individually, you're giving us the ability to reach nations. Lord, that you would give us a new form of inspiration and new hope today. But thank you, Father, that your voice has been spoken. And that your voice has never come back void. But it has always come back. Fulfilled that which has been spoken. And so we just declare that over every person today, Lord, that your word over every person, your promise over every person will come back fulfilled. That no word will be spoken and return void. May we respond to your voice today and to your word and to your promises in a new and a fresh way. And may you lift us up and may you lift the sound of our voice as we proclaim your name with full confidence, in victory. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.